0: What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards Podcast. Uh, we're gonna be recapping uh the week that the Wizards just had. They went one and two um through this road trip. They went a total of one and three on the road trip. One of those games was last week. So we're just gonna be breaking down the two games that they uh that they played this week. They had a game in Miami, they played on Friday, uh, then they had a two week or a two day break, had a game in Philly. And then uh, last night, they picked up the first win of the road trip in Charlotte. So we're going to break down all three of those games, going to offer my thoughts on some of those games. Uh, Two of them blowouts, I mean, really three of them blowouts, if you consider the Atlanta game was never close until we came back a little bit at the end. Uh, But yeah, we'll we'll get straight into it. So when talking about the Heat game, obviously the Wizards lost this game 121 to 114. Don't let the score fool you. It was not that close at all. It was close in the first quarter and the second quarter because, like we say every day, Walsonzo Jr. is a good game planner. He knows you know, how to structure his uh plans to come out hot to get certain guys the ball when they need it. But when push comes to shove and when people make adjustments, he just freezes and he doesn't understand what to do. And in turn, the Wizards get blitzed out of halftime. We'll talk more about that later because, again, it happened in Miami, happened in Philly, and happened in Charlotte. And it continues to happen. Uh, a couple of positives from this game. Denny was really good. Um, shot 50% from three, attacked the bucket. Attacked the basket, uh, knocked down threes, You know, was getting his dribble bag, knocking shots down from mid-range as well. When Denny starts to attack the bucket, it opens him up from deep. It opens him up to score from all three levels. And seeing that type of aggression from Denny, we, we haven't seen that in a while. We saw flashes of it a little bit in, in year two, but... Ever since he signed that contract, he's been a different player. He's been playing with confidence. He feels like, you know, I deserve to be here. I belong here in the NBA. Um, and he's showing it. He's, I would say, he's definitely been a top three player for the Wizards. It's tough comparing him to Gafford, who's been really strong so far, and Kuzma, who's been very strong so far, but he's definitely been one of the most consistent Wizards, meaning, you know, he's producing every single game, playing at a high level. And that's something you love to see, especially not only from a guy you drafted, but from a guy you just rewarded with a massive. $55 million contract. um. So very happy with, with how I've seen Denny play. The end of the bench lineup might be the best Wizards lineup I've ever seen. The amount of passion and just effort that these guys play with. And of course, I'm talking about the lineup of Bilal, Rollins, Davis, Omarui, and Gill. I mean, they come to the game seemingly every time it's a blowout and bring it to within at least 10. Uh, they forced a timeout of the other team against Miami. The starters had to come back in because we had cut the lead from what twenty three to eight. They won like a fifteen nothing run. Everyone ever since they won in the game, and that's just it's just outworking the other team. It's it shows like the defense is obviously horrible. We are the, the worst team in the league in terms of opponent points per game. Teams are putting up one twenty five plus on us every night. But when these guys come in. They do their job defensively, and it's not because they're superior in talent or, you know, in length or size. They just try. It's it's not – with the starters and the defense, it's not because the starters suck at defense. That's a cop-out. That's just an excuse. The starters aren't that bad at defense. They just aren't trying. They're not giving it their all. They're not in the right spots. They're not communicating. They're not doing the little things that help out when you're playing defense. These guys do it. These guys put in the work. They give all the, the effort needed, and, and this is the result. I mean, they're they probably plus 40 plus this season in net rating just in terms of the minutes they've played and all the blowouts we've had. It's just, it shows, look, you don't have to be the best. Just try, just give effort. That's what you want to see from a young team. And I tweeted out uh, during that um portion of the game, this before the, when they were about to go in, I said, this is my favorite part of the, of the season so far, because I don't enjoy getting blown out, obviously. But when you're not playing good basketball and you know you're turning it over, you're taking bad shots, you're just playing sloppy with the starters and even with the bench players, that's not fun for me. You're, you're just you're getting killed, you're not playing the right way. When these guys come in, not only are they winning their minutes, but they're giving effort, they're playing the right way, they're moving the ball, they're diving on loose balls. That stuff is entertaining. That's what you want to see as a fan. Again, you don't have to win every game, but give give effort. That's all fans want to see is when people give effort, you know, it's like, all right, you lost. Okay. But you tried your best when you're trying to win titles. Obviously that's not the case. You can try your best, but if you're, if you're not playing well, then, you know, you're going to get uh, called out on it. But when you're a younger rebuilding team, you don't have to win every game, but if you're playing the right way and you're giving your maximum effort, then the fan base won't care. They'll respect you for it. Um, so that's all you want to see. And and I, I was very pleased with it. One thing I will mention, Patrick Bowman Jr. Not getting minutes there is a little concerning I mean, look, you, you made the trade for him. You gave up the 57th pick. You picked his option up for next year. You clearly believe in him, and you're clearly buying into him. Why is Anthony Gill playing over him? I don't understand that. Look, Gill fits this group perfectly and deserves minutes. I understand that. But what is what is Baldwin Jr. learning by watching 82 games this season? He needs to play more, and I I guess he's going to play more as the season goes on. As more veterans start to cycle out of the rotation and the young guys step up and the vets ultimately get moved at the deadline, I would just like to see a little more from our 20 year old. That's all. Uh, Johnny Davis was great. Johnny Davis has been solid for the first couple games of this year, if I'm being real. Um, You know, 11 points on 100% from the field, five of five. He went one of one from three. He was a plus 19, which was close to a game high. He was he was very productive and he scored from all three levels. Like I mentioned, he knocked down a three, he knocked down a mid-range pull-up, a floater, a couple layups, got to the line. He he did it all and he did exactly what we wanted him to do. He played aggressive, he drove, and when he drove, he penetrated and kicked it out to other shooters. And when they didn't send help, he made the layups, he made the shots, and he played with confidence. And that's all you want to see from him. I don't know if that's like a, a minutes thing where you know when he finds a consistent role in the rotation, he can kind of buy in. But it was it's really intriguing to see this step up from Davis and and it's not just offensively. He was awesome defensively as well. He got a couple steals, was getting his hands in passing lanes, had a block. Very very intriguing to see this type of growth and development for Johnny. Um as you'll see in the next couple games, not not like this. Uh he didn't even play against the Hornets. So I don't know if he's out of rotation. We'll talk about that later, but I I was really impressed with what I saw from Johnny in in Miami. Um and then this is a part that I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about it every single game, uh, that I mentioned here, just because it happened in every single game. The Wizards got blitzed out of half yet again. This is this is a concern now. It's been a concern for a while now, but you didn't know if it was going to carry over from last year's group to this year's group, being that it's a young, a hungry team. You would you would assume that you know coming out of half they want to go get it, but that's not the case. Again, down six entering half go into the locker room. Miami makes adjustments. You know, they just basically stepped up the pressure on defense and, you know, try to get out and run as much as possible. And we just, we just stood there and watched it. We had no idea what we were doing. And, you know, you, you blink your eyes, you enter the fourth quarter, you're down 20, the game's over. It's the fourth time this season that's happened. It it's, it's concerning because we're playing teams tough in the first half. And it's not like these guys are coming at a half and being like, eh, you know, we, we tried in the first half. We're down six. You know, fuck it. We're not going to try here. We don't want to give effort. We don't want to try to score. Like, they're giving it their all. It's just the other team is out coaching us. I feel like you can pretty clearly put the blame on on the coaching staff for not adjusting accordingly when this is a, a recurring theme out of half every single time. Um, the Wizards are the worst third-quarter team in terms of point differential this season. They're a negative – 48, a minus 48 through seven games, which is horrible. And if they don't come back against the Hornets in that third, you know, that final three or four minutes where they brought the lead back up, this would probably be around the like late fifties, early sixties through seven games. They are, they're on average getting outscored by seven points every third quarter against Miami. They got outscored by 14, completely just blitzed out of half had no counter had no adjustment for it. They just simply sat there and took it. And I, I feel like that ultimately falls on West and that falls on the coaching staff. You have to be able to adjust on the fly. You have to go into the locker room understanding, look, we were doing this really well, but towards the end, they were stepping up the pressure and we were kind of, you know, we didn't want, we didn't know what to do. Uh, Let's try to move the ball more. Let's insert someone into the free throw line or, you know, bring it down screen here to, you know, free Corey or free JP for a three, just little things like that. You need to adjust to their adjustment. You can't just sit there and wait for them to adjust, go down double digits and then make an adjustment, which is what we ultimately do. You need to be proactive. And this coaching staff hasn't this season. It's the reason the wizards are always throwing in the white flag at the beginning of the fourth quarter, something that's got to change. So look, we didn't expect to win this game in Miami. Miami was worse coming in. They were one and four. We were one and three, but obviously we knew that Miami is not that bad and they're not worse than us. So played them tough for the first half. And then, Ultimately, like I mentioned, got blitzed out of half. Game was over before the fourth. It's a recurring theme, something that's got to get cleaned up. I'm impressed with Danny and Johnny in that game, though. So that put the Wizards at uh, at one and four, um, and obviously that's that's not ideal. But you you figured, you know, with what is it, five of the first seven games coming on the road, that it would be pretty tough to you know get off to a good start, especially with a lot of those games coming against solid teams. Most. Except for Charlotte, four of the first five road games are against teams that are, you know, picked to finish top six in the East. So it's not easy, but still the effort should have been better. You shouldn't have gone blown out. Moving on to the Sixers game on Monday. Look, the, the defense in this game was non-existent. It was absolutely terrible. Just zero resistance, zero effort, honestly. Poor rotations, Um, you know, guys not being in the right spots, not willing to, you know, Take the then take the necessary charge. um Poor, you know, closeouts uh, to three-point shooters. Lazy, honestly, closeouts to three-point shooters. Just the effort was not there, and I understand you weren't picked to win this game. The Sixers are first in the East. The Wizards are picked to finish to finish fourteenth in the East. There is, there is no, uh, how do I phrase this? There's no like sadness among Wizards fans that we lost this game. We understood that we were gonna lose it. It's it's a frustration in the fact that we lost, giving up almost 150 points, playing zero defense, giving up a 75 first half points, giving up 120 points through three quarters, which is what most teams average through four quarters. They got in 36 minutes instead of 48 minutes. It's just an effort thing. I don't think this team is this bad on defense. I can't. I I can't, I can't see it. I can't see it. I don't I don't think Jordan Poole is as bad at defense. I don't think Tyus Jones is as bad at defense. I think they just aren't giving it everything they can. It's obviously I don't know that, but just purely watching the game, there's times where like a guy will be driving into Jordan Poole and instead of putting his body on the line, taking the charge, he'll just take like a half swipe at it and just like let him go as if like, you know, it's a bull in the ring and he's putting out the red flag and he's moving it every time the bull comes. Like Put your fucking body in front of it. Get in front of the defender. Give effort on defense. It's not like we're asking you to do that much. I guess in, in Golden State, he was hidden a little bit. You know, they do the same with Steph. Um, but Steph put the time into his body. He got bigger. He put the time into his defense. And, and he he's a decent defender now. That's something Jordan Poole is going to have to do because right now, obviously the Wizards view him as a future piece. And I, I would like to think they view Tyus Jones as a future piece. But this backcourt... Is not only small, but they aren't good defenders to begin with. And when your backcourt is getting torched every single night, it's tough to win games. So they're either gonna have to step up on defense not only effort wise, but you know, skill wise. Like put some time and effort into your defense, being making sure you're in the right spots, uh, and hopefully they can be here for the long term. But it's not a long term solution if your front if your backcourt's getting cooked on a consistent basis every night. Giving up hundred and thirty plus points per game, that shit can't happen. This effort, this is one of the worst defensive efforts I've seen, honestly, in a, in a long time. And that's coming from a guy that watched what five years of Scott Brooks play zero defense and try to outscore the opponent. So that's saying something. Um, yeah, perimeter defense horrible. Like I said, a lot of lazy closeouts, a lot of wide open threes because our rotations were late. Um, it just seemed every time I blinked my eye, the Sixers were putting up a uncontested look from three, uh, and it it was just horrible. They they shot forty percent from three. I like most teams, most teams would would consider that a win, even if they lost. They we shot forty percent from three and we still lost. All right, clearly we did something wrong. Obviously they shot forty percent and they killed us, so they did something right. Um, I like to highlight Gafford. I just talked about a lot of negatives, but look, NB put up forty eight. We knew that coming in. I literally, I talked to my dad the day before. And I was like, yeah, Joel's probably going to drop 50. Everyone knew he was going to drop 50. It's just, we we have no answer for this guy, and nobody does. Nobody's putting their head down that he destroyed us. It's how he destroyed us that that I was annoyed about. Because I thought Gafford played him well, especially in the first quarter. Gafford had five blocks. He played him really, really hard, you know, was, was taking uh, charges, you know, blocking shots. Flying around defensively, and he put in eight points. He was putting in work on him on the offensive end, but when you leave him on an island consistently, you know every possession, there's nothing he can do. And obviously, the game plan was to give Embiid that free throw line jumper. I mean, he—it's it, literally it's target practice for him. I, I understand you don't want gaff and foul trouble if Embiid gets two feet in the paint, it's over. But when you're just giving him free two points every time, every single time he comes down the floor. You're not gonna win. You're gonna give up 150 points like we did. You're gonna let him score 48 points. Uh, and and there was a couple times where they literally just ran a, a corner pick and roll between Maxi and Embiid. Where Embiid sets the screen, he rolls to the basket. It's a one on two or two on one. Maxi can take the floater, pass it off to Joel. And every time, whether it was Gallo or Gaff, they stepped up to Maxi, and Embiid had four straight layups. I'm not kidding. Four, rewatch the game. Four straight possessions where Joel literally just put the ball in the basket from point-blank range, uncontested, running the same play. No timeout, no adjustments, you know, no coverage adjustments. Just literally sat there and took it. Same thing happened earlier in the game. Joel had four straight mid-range jumpers, uncontested. Nobody put a hand up, and we just let it happen. When when a guy is dominating you, especially when he's as good as Joel, reigning MVP, best center in the league. I, I think so. Um, And you don't, you don't adjust. It's just like, what are you doing, man? You're just it's a lack of adjustments. And we talked about this all, all season. When you, when you play basketball, it's a game of runs. And when other teams are adjusting to your, to your runs and you're not adjusting to their runs, obviously you're not going to be good. It's been a problem with, with Wes and this coaching staff. And it's something that has to change. Uh, we got a couple of new additions with Vanderpool, um, coming over from the nets um, and a couple other of other assistant coaches as well. But it, it seemingly is the same, the same shit, just a different year, still not adjusting. Still not coming out of half with that sense of urgency that we need. Um, And it's, it's killing us. It's the reason that the games are not competitive in the fourth quarter. It's the reason that Poole and Kuz and Tyus aren't playing minutes in the fourth quarter, because it's already, the game's already over. So I, I mean, that's the defense in this game. It was just, it was actually horrible. Um, one of the other things that I didn't like was nine combined first half minutes for Johnny Davis and Bilal. I'll repeat that for your last two top 10 picks in a rebuilding year, where you are not trying to win and you're focusing on player development, your two top picks from the last two years played a combined nine minutes in the first half. Each guy should at least be at least be playing 10 at least. And I would hope more, but when they're playing under 10 minutes combined, that's just malpractice. Like as a coach, you need to be, you you shouldn't need to be reminded to play these guys. That should be the primary goal of this season is to to play them. And like, if they suck, they suck, but play them, play Johnny Davis, play Bilal. Like they're not going to be great. They're still learning, but they're going to get better. And when you're not trying to win, there's no point in, in playing other guys. And look, it is, it is tough, and we'll talk about this later with, with Sham and, and how, how well he played in Charlotte, but you want to find that balance of, you're still trying to create a culture where guys that earn minutes and deserve minutes should get them, but you also want to play guys like Johnny that need the minutes and aren't, aren't necessarily as good now that they should be, but they need these minutes to grow, and obviously it's a tough middle ground to balance, but you know when johnny davis is not playing much in philly and they get to dmp in charlotte it's concerning not only from the perspective of re- is he really that far away where you can't even play him right now or you're just you're not focusing on that now and you're trying to build up trade value for guys like shamet so obviously it's understandable but i just i don't i don't like that in a rebuilding year not playing johnny davis when you can so and same goes for blah, obviously um, moving on, obviously, to the, some other positives. Kuz was great. 28 and 6 on 12 of 20 shooting, four or five from three. Efficient, uh, you know, played very well offensively, you know, had a lot of moves, scored from all three levels. Of course, 80% from three is very impressive. He was great. Defensively, not so great. Got cooked by Tobias Harris. Just wasn't a great defensive game from him, but. I mean when you're scoring you're helping out on the glass I can't really you know complain about it. I thought he played very well. Uh, I thought Danny had a great game as well. 16 points, uh shot 2 of 4 from 3, 50% again. He, I think he's still 50% on the year, playing really well. Um and just looks to be under so much more control, playing with so much more confidence this season. Um, if you saw the Hawks game where he scored like 10 points on perfect shooting in the fourth, he had two layups, a three, um, and an and he had two layups, one of which was an end one or three. And then he had an insane drill move, you know, step back, mid-range jumper. He has all these tools in his bag. It's just, will he have the ability to show them? Will he have the freedom to have the ball in his hands and make plays for other people? And I think this year is a, a good you know assessment of that. And I think he's taking it in stride and playing well. I've I have zero complaints. I think Denny's been one of the best players on this team so far, and you know after being rewarded with a contract that many people didn't think he deserved, um, it's it's nice to see you know that paying off. Obviously, seven games in, small sample size, a lot of things can happen, but you know so far so good with Denny. And then as I mentioned, Gaff was great. He hustled everywhere. He played well. Five blocks. Um, scored the ball as well. You can look at his matchup and say, well, look, the guy who was guarding dropped fifty, but. Like what are you gonna do? Not only is an MVP, but you know, he he's getting foul calls every single possession. Um West's coverages, I guess, weren't best suited for Gaff in terms of letting Embiid shoot. Um, I feel like Gaff played his best when Embiid took it into him and he was able to use his length on Joel and go straight up. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought gaff played well, and I think he's been one of the most consistent wizards this season, so obviously a, a tough loss in Philly it was a game you expected to lose but not a game you expected to lose in that in that regard giving up almost 150 points 120 through 3 quarters 75 through the first quarter um and just you know not bringing it defensively not bringing it in terms of effort um which obviously sucks to see so that put the wizards at 1 and 5 on the season and then you enter you enter last night against Charlotte you you really needed to win. You couldn't go zero and four on this road trip. You couldn't start the season one and six. It's just it's really tough to climb out of that hole. And obviously, look when I'm saying all these things, I'm sure you're like, oh, like why the fuck does this guy care? We're trying to lose. We're tanking. Obviously, I understand that, but you want to be building good habits. You don't want to just go into every game with the mindset of, oh, if we lose, we lose. You want to try to win these games. You want to root for the team to win these games. At least play good enough to win these games, even if you don't have the talent to loot, uh, to eventually take them. Um, but this game was needed, and, and, and they came to play. Uh, the bench unit, I want to talk about them first. They were unbelievable. One of the best games I've seen out of a bench unit in a while. Um, Gallo and Shamit were were Unbelievable. Uh, Shamit had 15 points on six of nine shooting, three of six from three. He was a plus 24, almost a game high, right behind his partner Dolan off the bench. But I would, in, in, I would say his first true rotational minutes. He played a little bit in Atlanta, but not really. He was kind of more in the second half. In his first true first half, second half, complete game rotational minutes, he was. I mean, I don't want to go out and say because Kuz was great, but I would consider him one of the best players on the floor the level of intensity that he brought defensively, the effort he showed, just the overall, you know, offensive game, the poster that he had, he he played with aggression. He played with purpose and he played like a man on a mission. Like, I, look, I, I want to prove that I should be playing over Johnny Davis and over some other people that are playing over me. I deserve to be playing. And he did that. And I'm, I'm happy for, for Shaman. And I hope he gets minutes going forward. Like I mentioned, it's tough because, Johnny Davis, I would assume, is now out of the rotation. Um, uh, We went nine deep last night. Johnny Davis didn't play. Shamit did. Shamit played great. Johnny Davis didn't play that well in Philly. I Like I said, I don't like it, but I understand it, and I respect it from a culture-building standpoint. You want to reward guys that play well, that play with effort and passion, and play well defensively specifically. And Shamit did all of those things and then some. So I, I don't see any reason to to be too upset with him taking Johnny's minutes. Uh, DeLon Wright might have been his best game as a wizard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can say that because he had a lot of really good, really clutch performances last year, especially in Dallas when he had that steal. Um, But 18 points, three rebounds, three assists, two of three from three, eight of eight from the line, four of five from the field, four steals, and a game high plus 26. You can look at the points, the rebounds, the shooting, whatever you want. Plus 26 is the only stat you really need to know. Led the game in plus-minus. Every single time he came on the floor, the Wizards seemingly went on a run. They played much better defense, much more team-oriented defense. Uh, and, and he just he affected the game. He put his f- fingerprints all over it, uh, took over, and and really just won the Wizards those minutes off the bench. Um, sp- especially when the Wizards got blitzed out of half. Um, lead got cut to, to eight. He came in with the bench unit, turned up the defense, got the lead right back to 19 before we started the fourth. Uh, he was. I. I can't say more about his game. He was unbelievable. Uh, Bilal was great as well. He knocked down two threes, one, two, or three from three. I think it's time we start talking about about his shot not being that bad. When he when he came out, obviously there wasn't much on him in terms of you know we didn't even know too much about him until we just randomly traded out for him uh, on draft night. But coming in, he was you know touted as really good defensively, has all the intangibles, but. He's a little raw offensively. You know, the shot might not be there. He doesn't have too much in his bag in terms of you know creating his own shot. But his shot looks pretty good. It's not like a Johnny Davis situation where mechanics are messed up and you've got to fix it. His knees are touching and all that stuff. It looks pretty smooth. He's never rushed. It seems he's taking his time on his shot, bending the knees. Form looks great. So... I am I am very pleased with what I saw and look defensively. He had a couple possessions on Brandon Miller where he clamped him up, he locked him down, he forced a fadeaway, uh, which which Miller airballed. He had a couple of nice deflections. He was he was awesome and look six points. Obviously, if you look at the box score, if you're a box score merchant, just start the box score and say, well, he only scored six points. He's not good. I don't really care what you say honestly at that point. It's clear you don't watch the games. Um, but if you actually watch this game all the way through, you were able to see not only how he's progressed from game one to game six in terms of his offensive confidence, but the defensive confidence has been there from the start. And, and just not only in, in terms of getting steals and generating, you know, fast break opportunities, his rotations and his just overall defensive understanding and, and IQ is off the charts. Like you don't see him digging when you're, when you're supposed to be digging on drives, getting his hand in there, uh, you know, messing up the, the the person driving uh in the in the round to the basket. Um he's always in the right spot. There was a play where Gordon Hayward got swung the ball for a wide open three and he'd been he'd been making these threes. Ball was in the corner I believe on uh Taylor Maladone, who is not a great three point shooter and he made a huge like stunt at Gordon um as if oh I'm going to come and help on you you have to make the extra pass. He does that. Hayward kind of like uh freezes for a second cuz he doesn't know if Ball is going to commit. And then he travels. And it's just little things like that that, that make Bilal special and that is really intriguing um, and exciting to see out of him. The stats aren't going to jump off the page. Um, I don't know if they ever will with Bilal. I don't think he's ever going to be a 30-point-per-game, you 10-assist-a-game know, type guy in any of those categories. I think he's going to be a solid, solid player. Um, and eventually, you know, people like Giannis, who come in a little unpolished, get to that level, but that's very rare. Um, yeah, I, I love what I saw from Bilal, uh, Kuz, Kuz was unbelievable. I can't say enough about how good he was 33 points, uh, 13 of 24 from the field. He's shooting 50% from the field this season. Um, he had four threes again, four of 11, 36%. It's pretty solid from deep. Uh, he, he took over that's 20 plus points per game. Now, Or 20 plus points scored in all seven games to start this season. He's been the most consistent offensive player by far for the Wizards. Doing it efficiently as well. It's not like he's, you know, chucking up horrible shots every possession. You know, you get those sometimes, but it's coups. You know, you have to live with those shots. But I can't say enough about his game. He's really stepped into that role of the number one option this season and is and really proving that, you know, I deserve to, to, to be paid this amount of money in my contract. And I'm excited to, to see what he can do. He's only going to get better. He's not that old. So I thought he played. I thought he played really well um Jordan Poole on the other hand not good at all 11 points three of 12 from the field one to five from three two rebounds one assists minus five just it, it seems like he's forcing it and I don't know if that is because he's not being used the right way or because he's just he's not he's not locked in he's not engaged he's not you know, taking it to the hole because he just feels like, oh, I can just settle for a three here. We're not going to win the game anyway, type thing. If we if we go with the route that he's not being used the right way, I can certainly understand that angle. Uh, I mean, we're we're throwing him out here like he's JJ Reddick, setting down screens for him, having him take deep threes, threes on the run. It's three, 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 three. It's like, yes, he's a good three point shooter, but you need to get him to the bucket. Get him, you know, knocking stuff down from mid-range before you start, you know, attacking from deep. And then if you attack from deep first, you know, use that, use the pump fake, get into the lane, create for others. It just seems like his whole game is revolved around the three-point line when I, I don't think that was the case in Golden State. I don't think he's being used the right way, and I just, I don't think the way that he's being used is a viable option for, for the long term. He needs to have the ball on his hands, he needs to be running pick and rolls, he needs to be facilitating the offense. That's what he did in Golden State when he came off the bench. I don't know why you wouldn't have him do that here. And I understand Tyus Jones is the point guard and you're going to go with him and you're going to have him control the offense. But I'd like to see a little bit more pool on ball and pick and rolls, you know, creating for others, getting in that, you know, two-on-one situation, him, Gaff, and the the center on the other team, Right, you know, take that floater, take it to the bucket, or throw the lob to Gaff. There's just so many things that you can do. And I, I just, I think he's being utilized the wrong way. It's also, I think with pool, you're just kind of taking bad shots. There was a couple of times where he just pulled up from three when I thought he should have moved the ball more or at least taken it to the bucket. So obviously not the start that the front office, that West, that Jordan Poole envisioned, D.C., but I'm not too concerned about it. I mean, he's still only 24. It's his first time not only starting every game, but being the focal point of the defense. So it's going to take a little bit of time to, to adjust to that for him, but no I, i'm not sweating it too much i think it will come around the, the concern is the effort though I, I i've seen a lot of fans specifically call him out not not for offensive effort but, but just for defensive like like i mentioned not not willing to make the you know sacrificing his body not willing to you know rotate or you know get in front of certain guys it's it's evident when you watch the game that he's not locked in on defense he's kind of checked out and when your best player or one of your best players isn't playing defense and isn't giving it his, his all all, it sucks to see, like, again, you don't have to be good at defense. You don't even have to be remotely decent at defense, but if you try and you are trying to put yourself in the right spots, it's not, you're not going to be as much of a liability as you think. And, you know, for him to, to not be doing that through the first couple of games is definitely a concern. So, Again, not great from JP. The last thing I want to talk about in the Hornets game, although we won, is, again, we got blitzed right out of halftime. You, it's like you knew what was going to happen. Um, lead was at 19 and a half, got cut to eight, about six minutes in. Uh, and, and it wasn't until the bench came in and, and just destroyed their bench that we were in a game when we were up 21 and should have put them away. So, again, the four, the third quarter is a huge concern, and I feel like it's going to keep being concern all season. Uh, if Wes and his coaching staff don't make the necessary adjustments. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the three games. We went one and three on this road trip, one and two in these games, he's at it two and five now. And, and they come home for, you know, a little bit of, of a home stand. They got a home and home. Um, so they played Charlotte on the road. And now they come back home to play Charlotte in DC uh, and then they have the Nets on Sunday and back to back at Toronto the following day. So, you know, they play they play sixteen I think of their or eighteen of their first twenty six games on the road. Pretty brutal schedule. Um, having double the away games than you do as you do home games for your first you know quarter or so of the season. Uh, but you know they return home for two games and they're back on the road at at Toronto. So, it's gonna be tough. The Nets and the, and the Raptors are good. You would really need to sweep this series against the Hornets, but um, look again. This season isn't necessarily about racking up wins or about the win loss column, about the standings. It's about playing the right way, developing talent, seeing what you have, assessing it. You know, building up the trade value for certain guys that you don't see here in the future. And I think last night was a good showing for the for those guys potentially that get moved. But um, look, the defense is a concern, especially on the perimeter. Um, the lack of halftime adjustments is still a concern. Um, and, and Jordan Poole struggling is also a concern. So, look, two and five through seven games is pretty expected. That's what I probably would have said if you asked me where we'd be. Um, but yeah, we got three more games coming up. Uh, and of course, after those three games, uh, after the the game Monday, I would assume at Toronto, I'll have another one of these recaps up probably Wednesday. Um so again, appreciate all you guys for for tuning in and I'll I'll see you guys on the next episode.